Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Good, good. Yeah, it was uh, my birthday. Last yeah, week. happy birthday. Thanks. How was that? Uh, fine, I don't really care about my birthday, so I didn't really do much. Um, just had some time off work. <laughs> that was nice. Good. Uh, Played FNM this week. Oh, cool! As a birth, as a birthday treat, uh, I got a tattoo. Oh, sweet! Way too much pizza. That sounds awesome. Sounds like a really good way to spend <laughs> your birthday. Yeah, it was like I, you know, I'm still kind of scared to go outside, um, and that's definitely on me uh, and my own issues. But uh, yeah, I don't really do anything. It's just just hanging out and just not feeling guilty for doing the things I wish I was doing all the time. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it sounds great. It sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Um, uh, yeah, actually playing Magic was nice. <laughs> I don't get to do that very often. Yeah, what was the format? What were you playing? I uh, playing Legacy. Sweet. And I uh, went 3-1 and one with Maverick. Hey, it's not bad. Yeah, it doesn't matter if your deck's bad, if you just know it inside out. <laughs> yes, yes. The old the old yeah. read duke effect going on there, I think. <laughs> yeah, everyone's turning up with uh, like the new, the new meta decks that are good, that they don't really know how to play properly. And I just play a deck that was at its best in the year 2013. <laughs> <laughs> I've just played it long enough that I know how to beat most uh, strategies. So it was good, yeah. Nice. Uh, Sounds fun. Yeah, it's, it's, that's been my week. It's been it's been pretty nice, pretty chill. How about you? Yeah, it's been all right. I, I'm feeling measurably better, uh, which kind of good. correlates to the, the amount of time that the vaccine would be wearing off anyway. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, glad to be finally getting over getting over that it sucked still don't feel 100 percent, mm. but certainly certainly in the high 90s um sweet That's good. yeah fine absolutely fine uh besides that i don't really have uh, anything to report just same old same old yeah i mean it's good to know that we're all just basically unvaccinated again now that's fun yeah <laughs> yeah sure quite possibly fine. quite possibly uh, <laughs> i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens yeah right. so it's, it's good that you're uh and not feeling like you're going to die at any minute anymore. Yeah. It's always a plus. No, definitely. So hopefully we'll have a more coherent episode this week. Uh, Magic-wise, I haven't really played anything at all. Uh, they've had... So they, they took down the Ravnica cube that was up on Magic Online, which was sweet. It was a really cool, really fun cube. Uh, and they replaced that with um, Inestradable Feature Draft. So I decided to give that one a miss. Uh, figured I'll, I'll just wait till the next cube goes up before... Streams are more limited. Um, yeah, how how is how is your experience of, of double feature gone? As a retailer, yeah, <laughs> <holy shit. laughs> uh, not good. Have you sold uh, any? No, I mean we we didn't buy any in the end. Yeah, um, uh, we were sort of waiting long enough just to see if they were going to be like, we're doing original Innistrad masterpieces. Here's a Snapcaster Mage. Here's a Liliana of the Vet. No, it's just it's just the rares and stuff from the last two sets that aren't really worth that much money yeah. in a new frame treatment that makes all the cards basically indistinguishable from one another. Yeah. Uh, it just it 20, just looks awful. Yeah, and for 24 boosters you're spending more than you would on a collector box of either Innistrad, Midnight Hunt or Crimson Vale. Yeah. Which why would you why would you do that? I um, I don't get it. Like you can you can no. buy two packs. You can buy a pack of Crimson Vale and a pack of Midnight Hunt. Like buy the two packs for less than 
one pack of double feature. Yeah, but you not considering you you get the cards in the special frame treatment that no one wants. Yeah, because <laughs> they, they they don't look great, and yeah, it doesn't seem like it's well collated for limited. They just picked some cool cards from either set and put them together. The draft seems bad from what I've seen, because um, you know Midnight Hunt was a good set. Crimson yeah, Bell is less it, of a good set, and you're just giving Midnight Hunt the Crimson Bow problem of being way too bonny. Um, it doesn't seem like people are enjoying it anywhere near as much as the <laughs> either of the two sets separately, and they weren't exactly raving about those. So yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think the I think the two Innistrad sets are fine limited formats. I've, I've played them a bit on Arena, definitely enjoyed them, but I, I feel like it, like if I was just going to do like a you know a double feature wacky draft, I would just like save a third of the cost and just buy some packs of Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow and just shuffle them all up. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, because <laughs> then you'd get like I don't know. At least you'd have a set that like two sets mixed together that were collated for limited. Yeah, that were like put together with limited in mind, which double feature does not seem to have been. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah, we're not. We whatever. We ordered like. We would like a case to have, just in case someone comes in and says, "Do you have any double feature?" And we can go, "Yes, here's an extremely expensive booster box." Because <laughs> people buy all sorts of shit. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, not not a good product um, on any metric, really. Yeah, I, think, I agree. I think that... it may have been if they'd have done like the masterpiece thing, like last minute. Oh, look at these fancy cards! But just yeah, the best card you open is like an old art meat hook massacre or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which looks not that cool. And what the second best card like consider or something? Probably. Well, yeah, like the considers the considers are cool, but like also you can't really tell what it is. It's all just it's like the 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 Comic Con planeswalkers, you know, when they were just blacked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sort of indistinguishable from from each other. Yeah, but like at least at least they had like a proper stylized thing going on. These just look like they've been photocopied badly. Yeah, you're not right. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> that is accurate. That is what it looks like. It looks awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just remove your remove cue. Turn Shh. the contrast up. It's a shame, because like, I, I do feel like it could have been a really good product. Like, I, it could I, have been, for sure, yeah. To be fair to Wizards of the Coast, I I wouldn't be surprised if if like COVID and working from home did have did play some part in, in this set's design I don't. I don't know. I don't. I just. I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know what's going on with it. And to me, it seems like it would be a very easy win to just, yeah, stick in. Oh, here's Liliana Vale. Here's Snapcaster Mage. Here's original art Delver Secrets. Mm-hmm. They could have done that, or like I don't know, just put like another lot of of retro bordered cards in there as well. Just, just, just give give people a reason to pay a ridiculous yeah. price that isn't. Here's know, a, yeah, an undesirable here's a, art treatment. Here's a retro snappy. Here's a retro tireless tracker. Here's retro cool cards. Retro checklands for original strats. Retro huntmaster of the fells. Like parallel yeah. lives. Like the, yeah, yeah so, retro parallel lives would have been incredible. Yeah. No, it's just a Renin seven and a Mihook basket if you're lucky, and they kind of look shit. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> just. Bizarre. Anyway, I think we've talked about that far, far more than I intended to. There, just, <laughs> just, just, I don't think we've, I don't think we've really talked about it. But I just, I just, I just think it's awful, awful. It barely bears talking about, honestly. Yeah, totally. On the flip side, 
let's talk about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty because that is that is the opposite of awful. I, I think the set is looking absolutely fantastic. We've had a fair bit of information about it now. And I guess before we go into individual cards, I I, I have some feelings on on art treatments. Uh, again, to me, this is looking like we've got a Modern Horizons 2 situation going on where we need yeah. a, a multi-slide PowerPoint presentation just to tell us where we're going to be able to find these cards. Yeah, I think... Sure, like, this is its own problem and, like, it has its own pitfalls and there are reasons why I don't like, like, a thousand different art treatments in one set. Yeah. But at least they look cool. Yeah. Like, at least they've hit their main directive, right? The problem with <laughs> with uh, Double Feature is they look bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, was... you could have done literally anything else, but they just look like bad yeah. photocopies. Yeah, like, if, you, if you'd done, like, this stupid box that's 24 boosters and more expensive than a collector box of either set that it's based on, but the cards looked incredible and the treatment was really nice, like, you know, if it was, like, the original... Oh, the, the, the War of the Spark Planeswalkers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or if it was like the, um, like the, like the the move, like the old school horror movie poster style yeah. art that they did for the, uh, yeah, uh, for the Secret Lair, which you would think, if you can, like the set's called Double Feature. Yeah. Well, that was I the point. Know. The reason they were in black and white is because they're meant to be like black and white horror movies, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it would have made sense if, like, you know, the rares and mythics had that treatment, and then the rest of them were just like a, a different set symbol. But we had to, it's a draft product, so we get the, and that, that would be fine also. But no, they all just kind of look bad. Yeah. But yeah, these all these treatments in, in Kamigawa, uh, at least they look cool. That's yeah. The thing. They they all they all certainly look fantastic. Uh, I think I I'm, I mean we'll get on to each of them briefly, but we we have talked about the the neon ink foil uh, in, in the past and. While I I'm not a fan of that myself, I do 100% understand what they're going for, and I do I do think if it's the theme of this you know this neon colourful magical cyberpunk Kamigawa that we're visiting, so although the frame treatment isn't for me, I definitely understand it, which is which is good, definitely. I've just this second realised that the, the reason some of the cards come with a neon printing is because it's neon dynasty. Yeah. I really hadn't thought about what the word neon meant. <laughs> Despite the fact it's in the fucking set name, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's get onto these card treatments because we have we have a lot. We have a lot. Uh, first up, we have the Ukiyo-e Basic Lands. So it's the the Basic Lands in the original wood print um, Japanese style. They can be found in draft boosters, set boosters, and collector boosters. Uh, except in collector boosters, they are only in foil and they are one per pack. They look incredible. We we talked about them a lot when they got spoiled. Uh, they are the nicest Magic the Gathering lands I have ever seen. Uh, I will be playing these. These is my basic lands, one hundred percent. They're just amazing, absolutely amazing. Every time I look at them, I feel like, you know, even more excited about them. They're so cool. Yeah, they're they're incredible. Yeah, they could they could put them anywhere, and I'll buy it. Doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> We have a borderless treatment, so like we've seen in most sets, we have the, the borderless treatment and the extended art treatment. So borderless treatment is going to be in draft boosters, set boosters, and collector boosters. Uh, there's an extended art treatment on some cards that is not in draft boosters, it's not in set boosters, it is in collector boosters. Uh, it can be in foil or non-foil in collector boosters, but only the, the commander cards only come in non-foil, which has been a thing in the past. And then we have planeswalkers. So there, there is going to be a selection of 
cards that have a foil etched treatment. So one of them is the Tesseract card, which we'll get into later. That is not in draft boosters, it's not in set boosted, but it is in collector boosters. And then we have the Neon Ink Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos cards, not in draft boosters or set boosters. Can be found in collector boosters in varying rarities depending on the colour. And then the yellow variation can only be found as an exclusive WPN promo. Bizarre. Bizarre. <laughs> There's another slide to go. Uh, then we also have. It's going to be the, the, the least popular one, the least expensive, because there will be loads of them given out as promos, I guess. Quite probably, yeah, quite probably. And then we have the Samurai Frame, which are all cards which feature or are sort of centered around Samurai, so they can be found in draft boosters and set boosters. And they will also be in collector boosters, you'll get one traditional foil and one non foil per pack. And the Ninja Frame. Uh, it can also be in draft boosters, set boosters, and collector boosters. One traditional foil and one non-foil per pack. And finally, the soft glow flame frame will be available in all three draft boosters, set boosters, and collector boosters. Whew. Did you take any of that in? Uh, you got the yellow one from WPN stores. There we go. And the rest doesn't uh, matter. <laughs> you, said, you said samurais. You said etched foil, which means I'm going to hate it. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so many. There's so many. At least, they, like, honestly, all of them look cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm fine with that because they look amazing. But yeah, there are a lot of them, and people aren't going to know where they're from. It's going to be annoying for us to source yeah. any of these cards. That's it. I think my my first thought, like, so saw all of these. I guess we we had the big preview stream, and once I saw all of these cards and the card styles being being previewed, I was like. My first thought was, spare a thought for all of the, the local game store employees that have to list these cards on their websites. Like, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is with this, like, this has been a, <clears throat> a problem for like the last two years. Um, every set has some number of ridiculous amounts of printings and how you list them and what you actually call them, whatever. So this, this is just the latest on a long line of my job being a bit worse than it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can see it now. Like, oh, I ordered the etched foil samurai frame, but I've been given the etched foil ninja frame. Like, yeah, I mean that definitely happened with uh, with Miskalakos. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> didn't look the remotely barely foil. foiled. Yeah. The only way you could figure out that they were etched foils because they had a star in the bottom left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember those. Good time. I don't know. Like, it, like. I, I do fully agree with you though. I feel like there is a hell of a lot going on with these, but they all do look really, really cool. Uh, I, I think they've, for once, they've done a fantastic job with the, the article as well, where they previewed all of the different card treatments. Um, they've got some like really good pictures of all of the cards and all of the styles for the cards, including some photographs of things like the foil etching. So the set hasn't come out yet, and we already know what the etched foils are going to look like, as opposed to, you said, Mystical Archives, where... It was just no a little bit that was etched, and then MH2, which was completely different. And it seems like every time we've had etched foiling, etched foiling has been a completely different treatment to the card. But at least this time, ahead yeah. of time, we know what we're going to get. And that's <laughs> we weird. have a vague idea of what it might look like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, now we know what the cards are going to look like. Do you want to hit on what some of the cards are? Yeah, for sure. The set looks sweet. It looks really, really cool from what we've seen really so far. Does. We've seen quite a quite a large amount of rares and mythics, I think, at this point. Uh, where do you want to start? 
I don't know. Do you want to just straight out of the gate with like the the cool story cards, or cards that tell a story at least? Yeah, go for it. Jenga uh, Taxius. Yep. <laughs> he's 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 here. We we were right all along. Yeah, not like it leaked in May last year. Uh, we <laughs> finally up, have. <laughs> <laughs> we worked it out ourselves. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, the card has a different name. This is not Jingataxius Reality Hacker, uh, which was the card that was leaked last year, or because of the playtest name. Uh, we have Jingataxius Progress Tyrant. It's five blue blue for a five five for Exim Praetor. Whenever you cast an artifact, instant or sorcery spell, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. This ability triggers only once each turn. And whenever an opponent casts an artifact, instant or sorcery spell, counter that spell. This ability triggers only once each turn. So it does. Uh, kind of a very praetory thing. Yeah. The praetors, like, you know, make your things better, make your opponent's things worse. Um, you know, Jingataxia's original card uh, let you draw more cards, made your opponent have less cards. Yeah. This feels more Voronclexy to me, but I guess the other Voronclex from Kaldheim was more Voronclexy than this. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, copies, it's a, it's a doubling season type deal, so I'm sure that'll be exciting for people. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. Like a hundred percent. This is this is a commander card. If you want it, if you want a Jinkataxis, that isn't the ridiculous ten mana one. Um, it's it's fine. It's it doesn't really feel that exciting to me. I guess you could like, you could probably go off and some sort of like mono blue turns thing maybe. But I don't know. It doesn't seem very exciting. But yeah, it's cool that he's on Kamigawa and we get to progress the the big Phyrexian storyline. Yeah, I'm so excited we're finally getting to that because I was so excited about you know Ashiok finding out about Phyrexia from yeah. on Theros, and that was you know the start of 2020, right? Yep, end of 2019. I time, uh, <laughs> but that was so long ago, and I was so excited for Phyrexians, and then we just kind of had some sets that didn't really care about the overarching law. Not that they weren't cool, um, but yeah, they didn't really care about the overarching law, and I'm very excited we're like fully into like the Phyrexian law because like with Kaldheim, uh, we had Vorinclex there. Yeah. And he was just there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't yeah. have any story about it. But now it's like you know there are multiple cards that reference um, Phyrexia and, and what the plans might be story wise. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah, same. It's super cool. Well, I do think my favourite thing about this card in particular is the uh, the comments on Mythic Spoiler. If you go to its page on Mythic Spoiler, somebody just says this is a great reanimator target for Legacy, and then underneath someone goes, "Is it?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I no, it's awful. Like, <laughs> no, it's very much not. No, why would you? Why would you reanimate this over Grizzlebrand or Iona? Like, why would you reanimate this over original Jinkataxius? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that has an impact on the book. Like <laughs> this one, you have to cast a spell as yeah. well as reanimating it. And if you're doubling your reanimate, I guess that might be fine. But it's just a big creature that yeah, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't I, I don't think it's going to be good outside of no no I don't I don't think it's going to be good in commander I don't think it's going to be good outside of commander but it gives it gives people another jinga taxis to play with and and that's fine people like Frexians so yeah the, the more the merrier right extremely cool including the, the Frexian frame as well is excellent yeah so that was obviously one thing that we do have for some of these cards we have. A Phyrexian version. So we have Jingataxis, very much the same treatment that Voronclex got. We have this cool Phyrexian border, all this Phyrexian writing on it. And then I guess we should just just jump into the into the next Phyrexian one straight away. Uh, we have Tamio. We have Tamio Completed Sage. 
So it was part of the storyline. Yeah. Tamio gets completed by, by Jin Cataxius. And now this card, this card yeah. begs the question, how many times will I get annoyed that someone doesn't spell completed right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's got an A in it. <laughs> it's not just the word complete, it's its own word. It's got an, it's got an A in it. Yeah. Anyway, tell me. Oh, this card. I have feelings about this card. I mean, I mean, so the card itself actually seems pretty good. I think. Um, I just I hate that they did Tamio like this. Like Tamio was one of my favorite Planeswalkers. She was such a cool character, and has been such like a cool iconic character for such a long time. And then suddenly we're gonna turn her into some sort of robot slave. Like, okay, cool. Is this? Is this a bad time to out myself as a Phyrexian sympathizer? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Phyrexians. Yeah, I don't know. Phyrexians I... are the best. Phyrexians uh, are so cool. Eldrazi. I love the Phyrexian. No, Eldrazi are, Eldrazi are great. Eldrazi are the second best fantasy yeah. antagonist of any IP ever. But Phyrexians are the, are the first. <laughs> Phyrexians are amazing. I think the idea of completion is really cool. Um... And I, I didn't really know anything about Tamiyo's law outside of she likes to wear socks and sandals. Um, oh, Tamiyo's law is so good. Like, I'm so sad that this has happened to Tamiyo. Like, I didn't know about Tamiyo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, law. yeah. Tamiyo's Tamiyo's got a really really sweet story. Like she's got like a family. She's got like an adopted rat child. Uh, she oh, hold, shit. No, I'm sad. Hold, yeah, she holds like a like a story circle with with a Johnny. Like a Johnny's gonna be pissed. Like. I mean, not that, not that the story really means anything, but I don't know. <laughs> to me, this this really sucked. Seeing like one of the most wholesome, like just genuinely nice and interesting characters in a world full of conflict, being turned into this like I don't know, in a hive mind robot slave just sucks. Isn't that the most Phyrexian thing of all? Yeah, but it, I mean, it they, they, they it, it pick, does like, it, it makes sense. But I don't know. It just—it still sucks, though. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just—I like, just—I don't know. They keep killing off the planeswalkers. I like. It sucks. She's not dead. She's right there. She may as well be. She's, she's right there. She, look at her. She's the card's right there. Yeah. She's, may she's as well right. be dead. I mean, at least the, the card seems pretty good, to be honest. Um. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's it's two green Phyrexian hybrid. So green and blue. And a blue. Uh, the Phyrexian hybrid can be played with either green, blue, or two life. If life was played, this planeswalker enters with two fewer loyalty counters, so they're trying to fix Phyrexian mana. Because <laughs> they, they're trying to learn a lesson about free spells, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess with the Phyrexian mana, like, this is a good implementation of Phyrexian mana. Yeah. So yeah. Like, if this planeswalker costs five, it's fine. If this planeswalker costs four, it's fine. You have to pay coloured mana regardless. Yeah, um, that's a good way because you know, the most problem with Phyrexian spells is that they could be cast either for free or with exclusively colorless mana. Yeah, I, I think I think I think the biggest issue with Phyrexian mana is that it shouldn't cost two life. It should probably cost three life at least, and that's a mistake yeah. that you can't change at this point. So I think yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can you can pay two life to to get a cost reduction. But that does come with a cost as well. I think that is a fair and good way to implement yeah. it on a permanent, like a planeswalker that sticks around has has significant board presence. Yeah, that's the, that's the best thing about this. So, like, you have to pay color mana regardless. You have to pay at least two green blue. Yeah, and then you can pay another green or blue or two life. And if you pay the life, it also has a downside. 
Yeah. Like, there's, you know, a lot of people talking about it being potentially dangerous and returning to Fraction Manor, but if this is the way we're implementing it, I think it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to be proven wrong, but I think this is, this is a, a very, a very good implementation of of um, the mechanic. And I'm glad to say it back because Fraction Man is like <laughs> all busted implications aside, it's a cool mechanic for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I do think it is a fantastic mechanic, but obviously it is incredibly powerful. Um, but yeah, this this card's pretty good. It comes in with five loyalty or three loyalty if you paid uh, two life in the in the mana cost. You can. Plus one, tap up to one target artifact or creature. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Minus X, exile target non-land permanent card with mana value X from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of that card. Or minus seven, create Tamiyo's Notebook, a legendary colorless artifact token with spells you cast, cost two less to cast and tap draw a card. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's, it's probably going to see a decent amount of play in standard. Um, Maybe it could see a play in in Pioneer as well. It just seems good. It just seems like a very good card. Like not busted, not bad. Just like reasonably play, playable. Uh, I think that the minus seven is very interesting as well. Mm-hmm. It makes a, a Tamio's notebook artifact token. So it's kind of. I know they, they'll probably da- deny it whenever it's brought up, but to me it kind of looks like just another another big splashy card that has clearly been designed with Arena in mind. I like that she's downgraded from a journal to a notebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that the plus one is Tamiyo, the minus uh, the minus X is Phyrexian, and then the yeah. minus seven is like Tamiyo Law, kind of like Tamiyo as a character rather than her card. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very much an arena-centric cast, for sure. I imagine this, the interface for casting this is going to be interesting on arena. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. But you can pay blue or green or two. I guess that's not that hard. But yeah, it's a typical cool card. It's a reasonably... It's just... It's a it's a five-mana Planeswalker with some fun abilities. Plus one yeah. is kind of removal. That's, that's nice. Um, doing a, a cure thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's good. I think it'll see some play... In standard, definitely, maybe, maybe a couple of other formats, but yeah, Tamio is is sort of no longer with us, and I I think that really really sucks. But oh, I'm sure it'll have some big big story implications. Obviously, the Frexians now know all about Emrakul uh, and in Innistrad, so I assume we'll be going back to Innistrad mm-hmm. at some point in the the not too distant future. Yeah, exactly. It's all coming together. Yeah. Can you imagine a completed Emrakul? It would never happen. It Next. would never happen. But, <laughs> but yeah, but you know, you, Tezzeret can use the Planar Bridge to move Emrakul to all sorts of places, like in the moon still, and then release her from the moon. And... Yeah. I don't know. I, I, the, two I don't bads know. Coming to, the two big bads coming together, and like Tezzeret is kind of like a little bad, right? Because he's, he's um, yeah. his henchman, and like it's all sort of like a combination of all the other big bads that aren't Bolas. Yeah, I, 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 I mean. Cool. I, I, for one, don't think the Eldrazi are bads, but sure, go off. Well, no, but they're, they're like, yeah, sure, they're, they're bads in the way that, like, um, like natural disasters are bads, right? It's not yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> they're <laughs> awful, and, like, the things that they do are very, very bad for people, but it, they don't mean it. <laughs> this is true, happens, this is right? true. They just they just do awful things because that's what they, they do. And it's just their nature. Yeah, it wouldn't be awful if it, was, if it wasn't, like, a semi-civilized society that they were unleashed yeah. on. 
This is true. This is true. Whereas Fractions are all entirely evil, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are just awful, awful, but so cool. Uh, like they, they, they are the know. best. They are the best antagonist of any fantasy IP. I That's to be told differently. Okay. <laughs> I refuse, Jay. What's Fair your, enough. What's your, what's your rebuttal going to be? I'll consider it. I just don't think that. Like robotic eugenicists is very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, it's it's just been oh, done to not, death, I think. They're not eugenicists anymore. Uh, like, I all did, were like like I think objectively was, but it's just about it's just about like ravenous completion, right? It's not about uh, eugenics. It's just like turn them into what they should be, even when they already exist. Like it's not. Yeah, I would still say there's a big eugenics part to it. Yeah, probably. Don't make me That's sound like what... I love eugenics, Joe. Come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't 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 make me that person. No, I just I just don't I just don't think that that interesting because like you you see this kind of thing time and time again in, in science fiction, and I don't know, I don't know. I I just have a much much yeah. greater much greater affiliation for the Eldrazi, I think. But I just whatever. Think, like because the Borg are cool, right? We can all agree that the, the Borg are like. Uh, cool. See, I I don't think the Borg are cool either. Like I don't think they're like. <laughs> I want to clarify. I don't think they're good. <laughs> like, I don't think <laughs> no, if that, that existed yeah. in the real world, it would be it would be nice. But like, in terms of like, what a big bad in, in sci-fi or fantasy can be, I think they're very cool. And then Phyrexians are just the Borg, but cooler. I mean, I'll, I'll give I'll give you that they're cooler than the Borg, definitely. But I <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm just not a fan. I there's somebody who's read a lot of sci-fi. I've just seen this this trope far too many times. Uh, if, you know, maybe if I hadn't, maybe if I wasn't. But this is uh, the perfection of, of that trope, right? Sure. <laughs> in a very Phyrexian way. Yeah. Anyway, this is this is this fantasy. This is not sci-fi. There's no sci-fi exactly, in my fantasy card it. game. Yeah. Sci-fi in my fantasy card game. What is this? Magic the Gathering. <laughs> like, it's been sci-fi the whole time. <laughs> Absolutely. Alright, let's get on to the other two planeswalkers. So I think next up we'll go to Tezzeret, Portrayer of, of Flesh, speaking of, of big bads. Two blue-blue for a Tezzeret planeswalker. Comes into uh, play with four, mana, uh, four loyalty. Uh, has a static ability. The first activated ability of an artifact you activate each turn costs two less to activate. Has a plus one, draw two cards, then discard two cards, unless you discard an artifact. Minus two, target artifact becomes an artifact creature. If it isn't a vehicle, it has base, power and toughness, four, four. At minus six, you get an emblem with whenever an artifact you control becomes tapped, draw a card. This is the most Tezzeret Tezzeret that has ever Tezzeret. Yeah, definitely. This this <laughs> Tezzeret's very good, I think. It combos with Voltaic Key once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? It does. Co- it can do a combo once. Uh, minus six, you get whatever. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, combos like, with Sensei's Divine and top. You tap, the, you tap the top to put it on top and draw a card, and then you draw the top with Sensei's Divine Top Trigger. And then sure. you have to recast the top. It's, it's If you've got a way, yeah, I guess if, if you've got a way to make top cost zero with the infinite card draw. The so that's Tezzeret cool. From, the Tezzeret from War of the Spark. Hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Uh, this is yeah. This is cool. It's it's a, just a very Tezzeret card. Uh, yeah. Things. Um, it's nice that we have a Tezzeret in a set that cares about artifacts. Uh, like like I said, the War of the Spark one just like it literally had affinity for artifacts, right? Artifacts. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but like, it wasn't very, obviously it was the buy box promo, but like, it wasn't a very artifact set. Whereas this is, I don't know, artifact sets have historically been uh, kind of busted. Yeah. Um, but this is a very artifact heavy set. Um, but not colorless artifacts. Like it's all colored artifacts, which I think is cool. Yeah, I, I like the thing. So that's one of the the things that they had in mind when they were designing this. The set were yes we are going to make this an artifact heavy set but yes we're also going to make this an enchantment heavy set and we're going to use that to show the the conflict between between old and new between tradition and this cyberpunk future of, of kamigawa it's uh, i really like i really like the way they've done it they've implemented it just yeah. fantastically yeah it's like it's really not it's i guess it's kind of top down design yeah um and yeah it's, it's it's been done really well so that's one of the things when they had that that world building i guess panel video that they did on their on their youtube page um they were they were discussing like when it, this set was sort of in, in concept design they had a lot of ideas of what they wanted to do for a set and when they were in exploratory design they were essentially they they had started to try to sort of build build a plane around these themes and this this whole theme of, of old versus new and fitting in all all of the themes i guess that we're, we're seeing come to light here and a couple of people have suggested, oh, well, why don't we do Kamigawa? Kamigawa already hits all of the things that we want to do anyway. And I, I think they've, they've just done a wonderful job here of rep- representing that, that that traditional, like, heavy sort of Japanese folklore-inspired Kamigawa world with the, the heavy cyberpunk-inspired world that we're seeing of, of Kamigawa at the present. It's kind of... It's, it's interesting that sort of it this plane being Kamigawa came as like an afterthought right yeah yeah i think that's cool like if uh, I don't oh yeah even, i, I really like it serves kamigawa either no same i think it's just like it is the perfect world for this kind of concept and this this kind of story um, yeah and then you can like chuck in you know references to old dragons references to kikichiki whatever and it's still cool oh yes it's, it's a sweet uh, yeah it's sweet things are happening in this set for sure i think it's fantastic next card then we have the wandering emperor two white white for legendary planeswalker uh comes in with three loyalty has flash and as long as the wandering emperor entered the battlefield this turn he may activate her loyalty abilities anytime you could cast an instant she has plus one put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature it gains first strike until end of turn minus one create a two two white samurai creature token with vigilance and minus two exile target tap creature you gain two life it's the wanderer it is. Turns out the Wanderer is the Wandering Emperor. We <laughs> knew this was going to happen. Everyone was so excited about to find out who the warrior, the Wanderer was, and it was just turns out the Wanderer is uh, the Wanderer. Yeah, yeah. So the Wanderer <laughs> is the the missing Emperor of of uh, of, of Kamigawa. I yep. yeah. I I had thought for for a little while. I guess a couple of weeks ago, I, I we we did the the predictions episode and. One of your predictions was, "Oh, we won't know, we won't find out who the Wanderer is." And at the time, at the time, I I was dead set on like, right, the Wanderer is going to be from Kamigawa, the Wanderer is going to be Michiko Konda, but it turns out the oh. Wanderer, the Wanderer is is not Michiko Konda. Uh, it is actually just the the missing the missing Emperor who is currently unnamed. Well, that's a cool idea, but also Michiko Konda is extremely dead. Yeah, yeah. And well, died so, like yeah. several thousand years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um. But did you say that at the time? No, I, I didn't say it at the time because I thought no, no, that no, might have been happened. might have been. Well, that's it. I, I didn't say it at the time be, uh, because I thought, oh, that might be the case, and I didn't want to spoil anything based on something that I might have potentially read but couldn't quite remember. 
Oh, uh, I see. Michiko kind of died, but uh, like bonded with. Was it Kyodai? Is it Kyodai? I'm sure it's Kyodai. What's Kyodai? The dragon, the white spirit dragon. Oh. That doesn't sound right, but I know which one. You, the, the original one from Champion. Uh, the original, no, the the one. new one. So Kyodai's in oh. um, in Neon Dynasty as the White Dragon. Oh, uh, okay. So that dragon's just been alive for two thousand years. Yeah, that's cool. But that is that is not the case. It is not actually uh, Michiko Konda. It is Wandering Emperor, who was just the the emperor who yeah. was missing. Yeah, it's just this this person is just a person we haven't met yet. <laughs> yeah. But and she looks like really cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the card's pretty cool as well. Um, again, probably one of those cards that we'll only really see playing standard. Maybe if you have like a mono white samurai deck for commander, I guess you could probably play her there. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the the like ETB the, the planeswalker with flash. Yeah, I I, I like love that. I love you can you can flash her in. You can like exile something for like paying four mana to exile something in instant speed, and you gain two life. Like in standard, that seems like a really cool combat trick, and then she sticks around and makes can make creatures. Yeah, can make samurai and make your things bigger. Like that's cool. I think she's a fantastic design. Yeah, and this pairs well with the other planeswalker, uh, Kaito Shizuku, Shizuki. Um, like with this sort of like playing with planeswalkers in the battlefield and what they can do. Yeah. On ETBs and stuff, and like making them seem like samurais and ninjas, it's very cool. It's very yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it seems like reasonably powerful, um, and a cool character. And I hope that like she doesn't just stay in Kamigawa now and like becomes part of the story, sort of in a greater way than just being tied to Kamigawa. Yeah, I th- I think we'll see her on other planes again, definitely. But it's cool to see. See her not sort of wandering, wandering about and glitching about. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading more of the story. I think I think the the character design for the Wandering Emperor looks looks fantastic. Uh, I can't wait to learn more about her. We just have too many white planeswalkers now. I mean, Gideon's okay. dead, so that's that's all right. She can replace yeah, but Gideon. Got, but yeah, but we've also got Basri Cat. Yeah. Who is going to replace Gideon? And then we've got Teo Verada. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Teo, who was like the star of a book, and then we haven't yeah. seen it again since. Hasn't the star of a book who, who was an uncommon in War of the Spark. Yeah, who we haven't seen even referenced on a card since. Yeah. Uh, we've got too many white planeswalkers, I think, for any of them to like. But I mean, maybe you can have multiple white planeswalkers as like the new Gatewatch style team, I guess. But, yeah, totally. Yeah, seems cool. I. Uh, the uh, the old borderless art is also very very nice. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's quite nice. I think I think I just I think when it comes to this one, I think the just the regular one is my favorite. I think that that art is fantastic. The costume design is so cool. Big big fan. Cool card. Yeah. Yeah, really cool card. Uh, next up, then we have. <laughs> It's it's a card that I'm super super excited for. It is a Besejo who endures. It's a legendary land. You can tap it to add green. Or it has channel one and a green. Discard Besejo who endures. Destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic land an opponent controls. 
That player may search their library for a land card with a basic land type, put it onto the battlefield and shuffle. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. The fuck is this card? This card is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Why is it so good? It's ridiculously good, and and I just I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, what if we what if we brought Channel back, which wasn't a particularly playable mechanic that people really yeah. remember, and the first card that we show them with Channel is completely stupid. Hmm. It's so good. This is going to be be uh, modern and legacy, and I wouldn't be surprised if vintage staple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this. I think this is just pioneer and modern and legacy and vintage and commander staple forever. Um, yeah, it's this this card is fantastic. It goes in. It can go in a, in a bunch of different decks. I've seen some people sort of brewing some really interesting mono green Khan decks for legacy, which is <laughs> which is yeah. definitely going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I've oh, seen turn that stuff into an artifact killer. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gross. That's so cool. Seen like people sticking this in ant lists. Uh, I've seen it in mainboard and sideboard because it's it's sick. Like this gets around Chalice of the Void. Mm-hmm. This gets around Trinosphere. Like mm-hmm. so good, so good. And I mean, it, it, this might single handedly make lands good in Legacy again. <laughs> yep. Because yep. you can loan it back. Um, and you can play it through your own chalice. Like it doesn't matter what you set your chalice on. You always have some way to interact with your opponent. Yeah, it's uh, loaning it back, and then Amulet Titan can fetch it with. Uh, it's now a naturalize you can find off Teleria West, and also you can bounce it with, um, with your bounce lands. Like, <laughs> yeah, cards just silly. Monogreen Tron in in modern, you can search for it off your, your expedition maps. And... Map, yeah. Yeah, use it to to blow up again. Whatever, whatever your opponent has, that's going to stop you from doing doing Tron things. Why does it enter untapped? <laughs> Why? I, I don't so know. Bizarre to me. I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody's ever going to be using this as a land. Like, just just but that just channel ability like, is amazing. I love it. But it just means that like it, it gives you more outs to like keeping this as a land in your hand. Like, if you can. Yeah, you can still play this untapped and like keep tempo, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It still functions as a land if you need it to. I mean, this is effect. This would have been. <laughs> this looks like it would have been a uh, a Zendikar Rising card. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Disenchantment it, front. That also imagine that definitely. Basics for some reason. Yeah. Um, card's great. Card's gonna be everywhere. Card's gonna be probably the most expensive card in the set. Yeah, probably. It. Yeah, probably. It's it's ridiculously good. And ridiculously good. All of the arts for this card are incredible. Yeah, and I can't decide which is my favorite. Yeah, I think they've done a really good job with with all of the the full art lines that we've seen so far. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great. I I think it's it's by far the most playable of the cycle. I don't think the full cycle has been officially revealed yet, but we've seen them all through through leaks. Uh, I think the blue one seems okay as well, but yeah. the Besaju is is very good. Incredibly good, incredibly powerful. Obviously not busted, but I feel like like answers never are. That's good. Yeah, who'd have thought Channel would be on a, on one of the most playable cards from twenty twenty two? Yeah, <laughs> I think Channel works for lands though. That's a good implementation of Channel for sure. Yeah, oh, I think so. I think, it's but it does it does just fantastic design and cards. Yeah, I um, can see that. It's just, but yeah, get, get, can't be counted. What? <laughs> Yeah, can't be counted. Can't like gets around metal and mage as well because you're not playing the card. Like, yeah, because like we remember the uh, 
what Snapcaster was meant to be, right? Yeah. The uh, the land that you discarded to counter a spell. Yeah, yeah. And they just decided that was good. I mean, counter spell probably too much, but like naturalize plus is great. Yeah, definitely. Because obviously, like uh, I've seen a lot of comparisons to to abrupt decay, uh, mm-hmm. but this is this is so much better than that. Like it can't be, it can't be like. Uh, like unsummoned back like, to your hand, it can't be. It can't be interacted with that. Like, yeah, you can't like yeah. it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't. You can't meddle mage. Like, it's sick. The cards are just really good. Can't meddle mage. Can't unsubstantiate. And so many different decks can play it as well because, like, one and a green really isn't a struggle. Like, when green is such a playable color in every format, anyway. Like, one and a green is just not a struggle. Sometimes it's cool. Player. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's a it's a great card. It's and and and, and a sweet. Yeah, card. I know. And sweetheart, great. Love it. Big, big fan of this. Speaking of other cards, which I think are very good and very playable, uh, we have another one of my favourite cards in the set we've seen so far. It is... Where's it gone? Lion Sash. One and a white for a 1-1. Yeah. Artifact creature, equipment cat. Uh, you can pay white, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a permanent card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. And it has reconfigure two, so you can pay two to attach target creature you control or unattached from a creature. Reconfigure only as a sorcery, and while attached, this is not a creature. It's the uh, ultimate combination of uh, bestow and mutate, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So re- reusable mutate slash bestow. White scavenger um, news. It's so sweet. But yeah, mainly white scavenger news <laughs> that you can find <laughs> with Stoneforge Mystic. And yeah, uh, were invention or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I, like I'm not sure if if like the Hammer Time decks in Modern were looking for like Stoneforge Mystic to find utility cards, but it's certainly an option now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, scavenging as you can find with a Stoneforge Mystic. <laughs> what a if it dies, you can play it from your graveyard with Loris. Like, <laughs> it's cards yeah, ridiculously sure. good F- for sure. Like, just like versatile mono white graveyard hate too. Yeah. Is it's, it's really good, <laughs> and I like I like this this new mechanic as well. Like equipment glitches yeah. is really cool. Yeah, I I really like that reconfigure. Seems seems fantastic to me. Um, yeah, some people say it doesn't quite work under the current sort of way the rules work. I assume that we'll we'll get a rules update when the set notes come out. But I I think reconfigure seems fairly easy to grok, and I really like that as a mechanic. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool. And we've got like a whole. Lo- loads of equipment creatures with reconfigure. Yeah, they're all very very cool. But yeah, this is certainly the most interesting one. <laughs> you can find graveyard hit with a snowboard mystic now. I like yeah. that though. Kind yeah, of like I really like it. I think that's that, that's that's the thing that I'm seeing from this set so far is like there seems to be a handful of quite powerful cards. Nothing seems broken. Nothing seems busted. But there seems to be a lot of versatile answers, which is 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 absolutely what I want in a magic set. I think when we, we've had so yeah. many set after set after set where we've had like one or two cards that are like oh this is the most busted broken threat you need to play this in X format now. Now we finally have a set where it's like this is a sick card it's a very powerful card but it's a powerful answer to all of these problem cards and yeah I love it. love what I'm yeah, seeing in like, this set. For a long time I've really liked versatile answers over versatile threats. Yeah um, same. I mean sure we sometimes we go too far with Veil of Summer. <laughs> um but I would, I, would, I would argue that Veil of Summer is the only sort of broken answer that we, we've had for the longest I think time. It's the only problem one, and it's it, again, it's only an answer, so it's not too good, right? The yeah. worst it gets is it's a ubiquitous cyborg card. 
Yeah. Which isn't even saying like ubiquitous play in, in Legacy of Modern anymore. Um, but it's I, I like this. It, let's make re- like in the same with the Besage, like really, really, really pushed answers. Yeah. It doesn't do anything unless it's interacting with your opponent, and I really like that as a design space for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, at, at worst, this is going to be a, a two mana one one that you can equip to something to make it bigger. Sometimes it's going to get bigger mm-hmm. itself. So like Besage, at worst, it's it's a land that taps for green. Like, let's see. Like the card taps for green. <laughs> yeah, untapped land. It's sure it's legendary, but still, like these these cards aren't like stone unplayable at their worst. They're, yeah. you know, they're not great at their worst, but they're not unplayable, which is certainly what we've seen from many answers in the past. Yeah, it's just it's just great designs in the set. Great lore, great art, great designs. It's just I, I love this set so much. Yeah, but uh, because this. they put because they for the first time ever put sci-fi tropes in Magic the Gathering, I have to hate it. Yeah, yeah, for the first time ever, never before first have time we ever it's seen. Never, it's never, Joe. It's never been done before. No. Mirrodin, who? Who's Mirrodin? Who's Urza? What are you talking about? Yeah. Those cards don't. Those 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 sets don't exist. <laughs> it's very cool. I, I love the sets. So I yeah. I look, from what I've seen so far, definitely definitely a big fan of it. Um, I I want to touch on one more that I'm 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 not a big fan about, but I feel like it is worth calling out. That is Fable of the Mirror Breaker. It's a saga. Sagas are back. This time, <laughs> sagas are double faced, which I love. I love that. I think that's really cool. Uh, here we have two in a red for a saga. Uh, its first chapter is create a 2-2 red goblin shaman creature token with whenever this creature attacks create a treasure token uh, second one is you may discard up to two cards if you do draw that many cards uh, third one is exile the saga then return to the battlefield transformed under your control and on the back it is reflection of kikijiki it's a 2-2 an enchantment creature goblin shaman and you can pay one and tap it to create a token that's a copy of another target non-legendary creature you control except it has haste sacrifice it at the beginning of the next 10 step Splinter Twins. Yeah, look what they did to my boy. <laughs> no, that's a good my boy. The, they did. Yeah, I mean, they were never going to print another Kiki Jiki. Yeah. They were just going to have. I mean, even if you have to, you know, wait for it for three turns to turn into the Kiki Jiki, they were never going <laughs> to. Kiki Jiki. I think they've tried to learn the lesson with putting infinite combos into. Not that we, I don't think we have a pestamite or anything this would combo with yet. Yeah, the, the, there's nothing in standard. I used to, yeah, currently there's nothing in standard that, that this would infinitely combo with, like Kikijiki would. There is already infinite combos in standard with um with the the dice, the dice rolling one. I can't remember the name of. Whenever it attacks, roll a dice. If you get fifteen or higher, create a copy of target attacking creature. And then you just get enough dice roll, and then you have like Pixie Guide, which makes you roll twice. That's not infinite, though, right? It's well, it's not infinite. It's it's essentially infinite. But like, there's a chance it whips, right? There's a yeah. There's always a chance it whips at some point, but it, it's essentially <clears throat> infinite. It's as close yeah. to infinite as, as as we have currently, and 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 will get in standard, which is good, uh, and. Yeah, I guess the point is there. There is nothing currently that would ruin a Kiki Jiki. So I don't know. To me, it, it just sucks that we get one that uh, that you have to pay one mana for as well as tap. Which is probably what Kiki Jiki should have done this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's cool. I, I mean, I like references to all cards. 
Um, yeah. I like that it becomes an enchantment creature that's like, you know, an enchantment that has the air of Kikijiki. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, the art on it's cool. <laughs> all, all, like, the job of, of sagas is, is to tell a story. This one tells the story of Kikijiki very well. I, and I, I love that we are getting this throwback to Kikijiki. Yep, I don't think this card is, is very good. It's certainly not as good as Kikijiki, but I, I love seeing that throwback. Uh, and the alternate art is just fantastic. Absolutely incredible. You have this, like, on the front, you've got like this, this mirrored reflection of Kikijiki fighting with itself in the mirror, and on the back, you've got him breaking through the mirror. This is like awful, awful grain. Big fan. I do love Kikijiki. Kiki. He's great. Yeah. Such a good character. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Like, and that's just a, like this whole set. Yeah. Um, is great references to all cards, great lore, and then all the other things we talked about. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a great set. I'm, I'm very excited for it to be released. Yeah, same, same. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on before we, we head off? We've got a ninjutsu back. Yes. Yeah, Ninjutsu's yeah. Back. Let's talk about the rest of the mechanics. Yeah, ninjutsu to return an unblocked creature. Yes. To your hand, put it into play for its ninjutsu cost. We have a second ninja with the deep powers. Yeah. At, at common, which is a single blue. When it does combat damage draw a card, if it didn't enter this turn, discard a card. So we're going to have eight ninja in pauper, which I'm sure is going to be very good, because the ninja fairy deck was still was already very good. Um, yeah, definitely. But that's cool. We got ninjas in back, which I think we all assumed we would, and kind of knew because one of the first cards we saw had like reference ninjas and stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Ninja two is cool. A cool I, sure. I'm glad it's back. Yeah, I'm really glad ninjas is back. And uh, I, I think we see, I think we see a new, a new modern deck from this. Like I really do. I think Satoru Umazawa is good enough. Um, so one blue black two four legendary creature human ninja. Whenever you activate a ninja two ability, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them on, in, uh, put one of them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This ability triggers only once each per turn, and it has each creature card in your hand has ninjutsu two blue black. So yeah, so I, I think we we do see a new modern deck with this. Whether it'll be tier one or not, we'll you know time will tell. But this turns Emrakul the Ironstone into a ninja. You can pay four to put an Emrakul and play attacking, and that's pretty cool. And uh, you could do it with Blight Steel as well. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Blight Steel, Emrakul, pick your poison when it comes to big, big creatures. Yeah, and we um, we already have a bunch of of one mana unblockable creatures as well. Um, we have the the Changeling from Modern Horizons. We also have Sliverblade as well. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's a lot of uh, like ninjas have been kind of. I think people have tried to do it in Modern for a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this might actually be the push it needs to like give actually impactful creatures ninjutsu. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I'm happy about that. I'm happy that it's back. It's a cool mechanic for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, and even if it's it, it, it. yeah, even if it's one of those decks that like you know sticks around for for a month or two is like the cool new hotness, like the Nahiri Emrakul deck did. You know, maybe we'll we'll see it do something like that and then fade off because it you know, probably just won't be good enough. Uh, I, I I love that. Finally, it can exist as as a cool as a cool interactive archetype. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. Big big fan of this. That all the mechanics? Uh, I think so. We've hit ninjutsu, samurai are back, uh, channel is back. There's artifacts. There's enchantments. Reconfigure. Planeswalkers reconfigure. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a lot going on in the set, but it feels like it feels like everything makes sense. Like. 
when it compares this to something like Kaldheim, where there were a lot of mechanics in Kaldheim and just like strange sort of one-offs and two-offs, this feels far more coherent than that set did. And yeah, yeah. We, we do see a lot of cards, but yeah, we have Tamiyo, which has Phyrexian Manor as a one-off. We have a couple of cards where we have hybrid mana, like maybe only two or three cards so far we've seen that have hybrid mana in, in their mana costs. Um, but it, it all seems to make sense to either either flavor-wise or, or mechanic-wise. I mean, the, I think the hybrid cost is probably a nod to uh, Nuke Penna being a, a wedge set. Yeah, most likely, most likely. Or a shard set, or whichever one it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, I'm very excited for this set. Yeah. It's very cool on basically every axis. Yeah, same. I really like it. I'm looking forward to seeing seeing the rest of it. That I, I one of the sets where like I don't really know what I was expecting from this. I feel like with with Kaldheim I had an expectation and it did not meet my expectation. With <laughs> yeah. with this, like yeah, sure, I already know what what Kamigawa was like. I've played with lots of Kamigawa cards before, uh, but this is a new world playing off old law. I, I think they they've managed to hit everything really spot on. The stuff that is, you know, like the obvious pop culture references, don't feel like too in your face. Like I, I feel like some of them from Eldraine maybe did. For example, we have like, yeah. um, you know, we have Silver Fur Master, who's like a rat ninja, which is obviously um, Splinter from the Ninja Turtles. We have like an actual Ninja Turtle card, but it doesn't feel like too ridiculous or too silly or too too impossible. Uh, it's actually like a turtle. It, it's a turtle ninja. Yeah. So it's different. I imagine Ninja Turtle is probably copyrighted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. Instead of uh, Turtle Ninja. Um, I mean, technically, it's not even a turtle, it's a Kappa, but yeah, sure. But we already have the shell of the last Kappa. And then we have new Kappas. Yeah. Kappa. <laughs> we have a Megazord. Yeah. We found a way to make Megazords a card, which is very cool. Um, I like the design a lot. And it feels very like. It feels like Japanese pop culture, right? Yeah. Like, it feels very Gundam. Even if it is, you know, a Power Rangers reference. Which I think Power Rangers is very, like, influenced by Japanese culture, for sure. But Power Rangers is Japanese. It's, is it Japanese? It's, it's Tokusatsu, yeah. So, uh, so Power I Rangers... Thought, I just thought it was a, pa- as a white people thing. Yeah, well, well Power Rangers is, is lots of different Tokusatsu shows. Um, it, it basically... Uh, Bandai Namco licensed a lot of shows um, it, to America to an American studio, who then cut up those shows and then they filmed some sections with white actors and then interplaced them. So you, you'll have so you know the like the White Power Ranger. Yeah. So if you go back and watch Power Rangers now, when the White Power Rangers in it, for the longest time you will never ever ever see the White Power Ranger in the same scene as the other Power Rangers together. Because they're two completely different shows. Wow! They just spliced them up. Um, so the 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 show that the White Power Ranger was from was about a ten year old boy who finds the the White Lion saber and that transforms into the White Lion hero. That's so cool. And it's from a completely different series to the Aver Super <laughs> Sentai series, which is what the the Power Rangers was. I think like later on they did crossover episodes. That's why you'll see them together later in the series with the way you get the White Ranger but yeah it was was a completely different show but it was distributed as just the Power Rangers and it was 
in America, yeah, it might be more from Power Rangers, but it's it's Super Sentai in in Japan. Learning is fun. Yeah. That yep. is a thing I did not know, and now I know it, and I feel like I've more. <laughs> I feel like I've ruined the magic of Power Rangers for you. <laughs> no, that's way, no, it's way cooler. What, yeah, the so magic all, of Power Rangers. All, all, I thought it was just like some stupid American show. No, 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 yeah, no. All, like, like every sing, every yeah, every single scene where they're fighting giant monsters, or every single scene where they're in the Power Ranger costume, that's from a completely different show that aired years before Power Rangers in Japan. That's so cool. All of the bits in between when they're in high school is just white actors that's so good because it's just like white 30 year olds pretending they're teenagers like yeah well yeah they all have like bald spots and wrinkles yeah because <laughs> I, I, I always thought it was weird that like power rangers seemed so influenced by japanese stuff but was an american show but turns out i was wrong yeah no it is literally a japanese show but dubbed over and then a couple of scenes spliced up in between i'm, I'm gonna go into a, a youtube rabbit hole watching all this stuff oh hell yeah yeah that's so cool and I love Power Rangers, so now I get to love it more. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Of, like, I think this is one of the things where like a lot of the Kamigawa stuff appeals to me because I'm a I'm a fan of a lot of this this stuff. Like, I've watched a lot of the Super Sentai stuff, a lot of the Kamen Rider stuff. Like, I I love Tokusatsu stuff. Massive, massive kaiju fan. Like the the Godzilla stuff that we we saw in Ikoria did feel. a little bit out of place, given like what the rest of Ikoria was. So I, I feel like the Godzilla stuff would fit in probably better in this set if this was like an old treatment there but i do think yeah. that the way the, they've done the the like the planeswalkers and stuff with the the big famous japanese artists um it, it looks absolutely fantastic here yeah I, hopefully we'll see a couple more sort of pop culture references but what we've seen so far have been absolutely fantastic like you've got the artist from fist of the north star you've got the artist who worked on some of the the original Legend of Zelda promotional material who worked on Blood the Last Vampire there's a lot of fantastic stuff going on with the, from this set and you can tell that there was a lot of love and effort put into this set from people who are a part of that culture as well not just people who appreciate that culture people who, who yeah, are sure. fully entrenched in it uh, I think that that's one of the things that I, I really like about this set the most from what I've seen so far I think it's one of the best things what you're doing for sure yeah. is like not just writing love letters to things just like getting people have actually experienced that culture or like getting them involved with it is um, yeah is a lot cooler than just trying to do you know Japanese culture Japanese pop culture without involving them it's so annoying that like like you said so much love and you know passion has gone into this kind of stuff and then on the, on the flip side we have stuff like Jumpstart Horizons Two and yeah. double feature, you know, like yeah, yeah. So I know it's the same game because it feels like this is a really well designed set from like every, like like I said, like every possible part of it has been incredibly well designed, incredibly incredibly yeah. beautiful. Um, I look forward to something being banned in standard again from the set. <laughs> <laughs> Just as I've said that, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine anything will be banned from standard in this set in future sets. Absolutely, absolutely. But so far, yeah, this one more. I think yeah, looks pretty safe. More. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Cool. So I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Let us know how you feel about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. It's so hard not to say Neon Genesis. <laughs> I've been saying it the whole time. Yep. And my boss has been saying Neon Dynasty. Destiny. <laughs> no one knows yeah, what I've it's seen, called. I've seen a lot of people say Neon Destiny too. 
It's just come and go. Just, it's fine. <laughs> just come and go to you, electric boogaloo. Boom, come let boom. us know. But no, you're not. You're not ending on that. That's awful. Sure. <laughs> you can't start the outro on electric boogaloo. That's terrible. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, come let us know your feelings on Kamigawa. You can hit us up on social media, on Twitter, we're at, at hfdcast, facebook.com slash hfdcast. Or if you really enjoyed anything this episode, like to give back in a monetary value, you can hit us up at Patreon, we're at patreon.com slash devastation. Tiers start from as little as $1 per month, that's roughly 20 25 cents per episode. And this podcast is brought to you by manleaks.com, where you can go and use the promo code HOFD5 to get 5% of your whole order, including Kamigawa Neon Dynasty pre-orders. That is correct. That is something I've done myself and would totally recommend. Sweet. If you want to find me on my own personal social media, on Twitter, I'm at PeachGardenOaf. That's O with an F. Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. Sure, you'll probably see me in any of the magic groups. I also stream on Twitch every Friday night. We do something magic. Usually we do whatever cube is up on Magic Online. Have a lot of fun there. Uh, if not, we're playing Historic and it's uh, it's a time. We're having a time. Come check that out at twitch.tv slash PeachGardenOaf. <laughs> Historic show is a format. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I I love it because I'm just playing the same deck over and over again. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gene Snuller. Nice. If you'd like to hear about why hanging out with white supremacists is maybe bad. Yeah, it's awful. Don't do that. Just just tweet about Seven again. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the I'm quite sh- the milkshake duck. Oh, I mean, like absolutely. You've, said, like, you've 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 pointed out that like maybe. It wasn't so surprising that this man is flirting with the alt right and actual Nazis, um, but at no point have I said that he is a Nazi, and that's an important yeah. decision to make. I just think he went to a place with loads of white supremacists at a rally that was organised by white supremacists, and then tweeted yeah. about it. Well, put it on Instagram on purpose. Was like, "Hey guys, look at this thing I'm doing," and then was surprised that everyone thought he was a bit of a dickhead for doing so. Yeah, that's it. Do I think he's a Nazi? Not yet. Do I think he's comfortable hanging out with Nazis? It's provable. And that's the problem. Because <laughs> yeah. loads, of, loads of people pointed out to me as if I hadn't read the post that I'd screenshotted and shared that he said that these people aren't Nazis and he's not a Nazi. Uh, as if that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> but also he didn't say Nazis. these people weren't Nazis. He said that the media was only focusing on the Nazis that were there. Yeah, so he knows there are Nazis there. He went there on purpose. He knows exactly what the people that go to that and organise that rally stand for. But the problem uh, is you're looking at the Nazis that were there. Yeah. Not that there were Nazis there and he was stood next to them. It's the fact that he that, that you, you're looking at the Nazis. Yeah, stop looking at the Nazis. Look at me being near some Nazis. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he's seen the Confederate flags. He's seen the swastikas everywhere. Um, he knows exactly what this is about and then it's pretending that it's about sovereignty and being against mandates and disliking QR codes um, and he is probably what well, was up until this point Magic's most beloved non-disgraced artist but now he's yeah. joined the ranks of other disgraced Magic artists that everyone <laughs> I just it, it was yeah Jason Holt's tweet was, was my favourite on it which was just like the funniest thing about it is he could have just kept quiet about all this like being a horrible person with questionable views in private and made his money off of people who were directly giving him money, money for his art, <clears throat> off of his contracts with Watsi, and just just made a living and had a good life, and you know kept these views private. But he decided to just openly talk about how all of his opinions are shit, and he doesn't deserve your respect. 
Yeah. Like a couple years into being like Magic's most popularized. It's 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 funny that he just like it's I mean it's awful and terrifying that he feels comfortable being around Nazis. But it's funny that he was just like, no, fuck universal acclaim and love and money. I <laughs> I want to tell people about QR codes. And that's what I'm going to stake my career on. <laughs> incredible work. Truly incredible yeah, work. Yeah. Truly, it's truly something else. So I'm sure Abs- there'll be more to come as the days and weeks go on. But for now, that's all we have time for. Once again, <laughs> we're approaching the second hour. The Godfair has returned. So see you again next time on Hour of Devastation.